0: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap. Uh, My name is Ryan Jakey, and I'm joined alongside by... That's me, Corey Litton, right here. Corey Litton, and today (laughs) we have a special guest. We are welcoming two-time Hall of Fame announcer who still calls races in Wilmer and in Fergus Falls, Ron Krogh to Checkers and Wreckers Victory Lap.
1: Ron, welcome.
2: You bet. Nice talking to you guys.
1: Ron, uh, we kind of talked about uh, you're already—I mean, a, quite the accomplished announcer out there. You've had quite a long career, but where did it get started for you in uh, in racing?
2: Well, I tell you what, I was—I was racing back. I think in 1985, uh, I was running uh, what they called that time. It was tri-can model, I was a tri can late mile, and I was—I was running out of money. So what I was doing, I was—I was racing down at Viking and Alec, and and was racing on Sunday nights. So they—they kind of needed somebody to fill in a little bit, and. The, and it was something that I really hadn't thought about doing, to be honest with you. I was, was going to race for a little bit longer. But well, anyway, I, I so I was announcing it at, at Fergus. That's where I started out at, at the Wheaton track. Okay. And at that time, it was it was pretty easy going because they only ran, you know, back then. We, I think Wheatown only had a couple of classes there. I think we had the, the sportsman cars and then the, the bombers. So yeah, there wasn't a lot of traffic out there. And, of course, uh, there wasn't a lot of fans all of a sudden. Right? So and I think I was related to most of them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, uh, being that you were related to the to about half the people in the stands, or so, I mean, what was it? What's it like calling races out there, and uh, was it easy to get out of there after the races were done?
2: Oh boy! Well, I tell you what, I can, we'll talk about Weetong later when some of the stories know at the Weetong Bar, of course. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was it was pretty crazy. You know, <laughs> you'd have guys back then, you know, that might come up and uh, a couple of guys would come up and decide just to walk into the booth and sit in there with you, and know, they'd have a couple beers, and uh, it was uh, pretty entertaining. <laughs> some nights but everybody was really good and, and you know and you, you had a lot of fun because uh, you know you, you had so many characters both uh, in the stands and of course on the track that uh, kept it very very entertaining
1: <laughs> so when you got involved in uh, in announcing did you have anybody that you really looked up to that already had uh, done that before you or did you have to develop your style by yourself
2: well, no, I, I did. I, I, you know, I just didn't have the talent to do what they did. The Jerry Van Campen was very good Remember, He was at Viking for many years, and he was working with my dad when I was a young kid, and he was one of those guys. that you know, He could walk into a room, and he could just take over the thing, and he ended up working for that, uh, oh, gosh, uh, that Red Baron Squadron, you know, out of Marshall, Minnesota, the airplanes that flew and he, him and his wife. They flew him all over the country, and he did that in front of crowds of 40,000, 50,000 people. He was one, and then, of course, Don Domney, and, and of course, uh, Rod Miller, those guys all had their own special way of doing things that, you know, they, they had, they had talent. And uh, I tell you, when I first walked in the gate, guys, no offense to myself, but it wasn't always real pretty. So I'd stand back and scream and holler to myself and, and enjoy the racing. And, but uh, the lucky thing for me, I guess uh, fortunate for me, it was the fact that I had raced, uh, you know, for nine years. So it, it was coming fresh out of the car. And I think that helped a little bit with, with that end of it. And then, and then, of course, uh, I guess, uh, you know, you, you you did the rest of it. You just did the best you could. You know, I, I, was a, I was a formal truck driver, you know. So truck drivers had a lot of time to sit and drive and think about dumb things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you get to be a race announcer, then you get to tell people about them. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that's how that kind of worked out there. But no, I just had to kind of go on my own and see what happens. And, you know, you don't know if you're going to make it or not.
0: Yeah. Say, Ron, uh, what do you think in being a, uh, a race car driver and then coming into it, what do you think about that helped you the most as you were announcing races or, or, uh, uh, being f- maybe familiar with the track and, and how it drove or was it knowing who the drivers are? What, what do you think helped you the most, uh, being coming from racing into the announce booth?
2: Well, I think you knew tendencies a little bit of some of the drivers. I think the big thing though is, is knowing the setup. You know, knowing the cars a little bit. Uh, you know, you kind of could see when somebody was having a problem. You, you kind of saw that a little bit, and and uh, you know, and, and of course, uh, you know, you you knew the rules. Of course, naturally, so that helped a little bit there with the, with what the cars could do and stuff. So you could kind of explain a few things to the fans that uh, you know you do the best you could that way. So that that part probably was the the, the big thing. I think.
1: Uh, so uh you you got the start out at, out at weetown town uh then uh was it uh was it viking that called you next after dom Dami had to step away
2: yeah his his dom's daughter ran for miss minnesota so they took the summer off and and uh, him and his wife uh, traveled with her throughout the whole state and i went to i'll never forget and viking at that time was you know they were getting fifteen eighteen hundred 1800 people and i, I walked down there and i looked up into that crowd and guys i'll be honest i had the mic in my hand and i i i froze up for a minute. I, I didn't know what to say. I just sat there and stared at him for a second and finally, thank God, the race cars rolled out on the track and got a belt. And I went there and, and I, I filled in for Don. I would do, like I said, the weekly show and, and I'll be honest with you guys, I I was so bad that uh, whenever they'd have a big show like if they brought in the NASCAR guys and stuff we'd bring Don back in and then I'd get out of the way and do the bombers and stuff like that just to kind of do it. But, uh, but Don and his wife, they enjoyed uh, the country club life a little bit there she did anyway and, and he never came back and and 33 years later i'm still sitting there waiting for him you know? <laughs> and he, he still ain't come back
1: guys <laughs> well he came back the one day when he when he uh inducted you basically into the hall of fame out there at viking speedway which uh going with that uh i mean you're uh, by my count a two-time hall of famer with the viking speedway and the kra speedway out in wilmer uh what's it feel like to be a hall of famer
2: old <laughs> I, I think that sums it up in my part but yeah it, it's a it's a very nice honor you know i mean it, it, you know you you see the guys that uh, come in ahead of you and you just shake your head and think man some of them guys uh, what they did there was so much more you know there was different people that did a lot more for the track and stuff and and but but yeah it, it, it it's, it's a great honor and you know i, I just that's about all i could say about that
1: hmm. So going back to, you know, kind of when you got your start, there was a lot of good racing going around in the area at the time, too. I mean, still really is, but I mean, you had a lot of the good racers from back in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, especially like the beginning of the modified class around this area. I mean, what was it like getting to call races with Dave Stork and Scott Hillig and uh, Ryan Music and stuff, all the battles that they used to have?
2: Boy, that was a lot of fun. I mean, the crowds, down you know, biking crowds were crazy and all that, you know, that music you know ryan he was kind of the, he was kind of a bad boy you know he'd get up there and he'd the fans you know and they'd boo him and hiss and carry on and the fans you had to separate them once along the stands a little bit you know and then you had hill who was smooth and, and dave stork was amazing you know he won like 14 track championships and you know dave he was one that he kind of walked in there like the white knight you know and, and tell you what uh, nothing seemed to phase him that was the thing about him and then you had guys. All of a sudden, you got the young guys starting to come in, like damn and sneaks in, and all of a sudden you see something here that's special, and he gets there. And then, you know, a guy we forget about is Dale Arneson out of Fargo. When we we used to call that the Viking Modified Mafia, and they were they were just <laughs> to living. You know what? On everybody to come into town because they were so good there. And other than maybe Ron Jones could sneak in there once in a while and get him. but uh, boy, that was a battle there. But but Dell was the only guy that I could think of for many years that snuck in there and won a track championship. And you know, see, so you think about that, you know, and I, you know, it's been a tough year for Dell, especially with, you know losing Casey and stuff, but. That's how good he was too it you also. Know? But, but then, of course, then, of course, Fargo had a pile of up there too. So it got to be a, quite a battle between these guys back and
1: forth. It used to be quite a good rivalry between, I mean, a hundred miles between the two tracks between uh, Viking and uh, Fargo, and it was always fun to see some of the the the, the battles between both uh, both groups coming together at a lot of the tracks. I know like uh, Dave Stork and Ryan music were really big at the beginning up here in West Fargo at Red River Valley Speedway as well as down at Viking Speedway, but it'd be, it was fun to watch some of our Fargo guys go down there and take a couple from you guys, too.
2: Oh, boy, yeah. You know, you got guys, guys like Bobby Sagan, I remember when, remember when Rick Auckland came on the scene, you know, Rick and I kind of jumped at the same time, and, you know, I had a number of the announcers, but he's the Hall of Fame for racing, you know, but uh, he was, he. I, I think he had the best eye-hand coordination I'd ever seen, <laughs> and very smart, and, you know, and then you, like you said, there's so many Fargo guys that, uh, uh, the name list goes on. And I'm back in the early days, when I came in, you had, you know, uh, Mike Bruns was very good. But again, of course, you remember you had like old Rennie Brookins and Jack McDonald and Bob Simmers and uh, Joe Jacobson and all them guys that, that ran the late models. And then, of course, here come a young bunch in behind them. And there's a ton of them that are out there now still running.
1: So uh, where did Wilmer come into the picture here uh, as far as when you started working at KRA Speedway? When, uh, when did you start working out there?
2: Well, actually, how it started, all guys. I started it, you know, like I said, I think in '87 at Viking, and then about '91, uh, Madison was looking for somebody, and and so they were Sunday nights. So what I was doing at the time then, I, I guess I was, uh, I started out. I was doing well, Ferguson, and in Ferguson, i kind of stepped aside from there a little bit. So I ended up going to uh, Alec on Saturday and Madison on Sunday. And then in about '93, I went to work for Mono Video on Friday nights. So that that went there. And then at about about 2000 was the first year and Then Wilmer uh, was looking for somebody. So then I took them on for Thursday. So I actually had four nights, but oh, my God, you know, I was young and traveling at the time, so I could do it. Now I don't think I could do it because, you know, it's 100 miles each one of them tracks other than Alec was a close one, you know. Yeah. And then Wilmer came in in 2000, and, and I stayed with them. And I'm still, I'm still with Wilmer on Thursdays. It, it works out good, guys, because it's a Thursday night, and, you know, I kind of – as I got older, and I had some health issues a few years back. I You know, I had a, a stint put in. I had kidney cancer, and I've had some things that kind of slowed me up for a while. And I thought was maybe I was about done with it. Luckily, I got all fixed up, and I feel probably better than I ever have. But anyway, we get back to Wilmer here. Uh, it was a Thursday night track. Uh, you know, they got a curfew, so not a lot of cars down there. You know, Thursday night tracks, they got a battle on their hands. You, you know how that is, Corey. You, yeah. You know we, we go through that there. But, hey, you know what? It's still good racing, and their fans are passionate, and, and you love going down there.
1: Yeah, I, I always say it only takes two cars to make a good race. So <laughs> so you started working on a Wilmer. Um, like you said, Madison, uh, Minnesota would, was another one that you got. And then, uh, When did it really start coming into uh, – you, you had a pretty good career out at the Buffalo River Speedway right after that, didn't you?
2: Yeah. Matter of fact, it was kind of crazy because uh, Donnie, Donnie MacArthur was working up here at Buffalo River, but he lived in Canby, and then, and so he wanted to go to Madison and, and you know, and, and at that time, I think Rick and Sandy were running, uh, we running Buffalo River. So, uh, uh, Don Ingram says, well, would you come up here? And I said, well, what the heck? I said, I'll try And I said, I, I really hate to leave Madison. I've been there kind of a long time, but so I got to Buffalo river and, and uh, I think it was that, uh, God, I don't know the 2001 or something like that, something like back then. And spent, a, a, you know, had about 15 years there, just at a fun place. I You know, I, I tell you, Corey, when I left that place on Sunday nights, but I promised Rita and, and stuff I was going to start spending some time at home with the lakes here in the Karen kids were growing up. It was hard to leave that place. Cause, you know, we had a lot of fun. That That's still a special place to anybody. Uh, there, for Sunday night racing, it don't get any better.
1: Yeah, you really saw a great transformation uh, uh, at that place, too. I mean, back when the... You, when you walk through P Rock to get in there, now the place is you know pretty much you know a palace <laughs> oh, <laughs> with the man. the indoor seating and everything like that. Uh, Ron Krogh is our guest right here in Checkers and Records Victory Lap. He's a, the announcer at the KRA Speedway in Wilmer and uh, the I ninety four Speedway in Fergus Falls. I ninety four Surestep Speedway. Um, he's also a two time Hall of Fame announcer at the KRA Speedway and the Viking Speedway in Alexandria. Uh, Ron um going back to Buffalo River now so uh, you know the 15 years the years that you spent out there I mean um another track that takes about well it's only about an hour away from where where you live in Fergus Falls um how great was it to see the transition of that place over the years and how much money got put in there and just how that place got just upgraded over the years
2: oh it was amazing you know we first came there you know they didn't have a lot Rick and Sandy didn't have uh, you know, Deep Pockets, they did. And Kevin Nathy came in and I thought, like, Kevin did a fantastic job. He got to working in there and he really changed things. That Nathy family, you know them well. And, and they got in there and, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, they, they added this. They did the enclosed stuff, which I thought, oh, I've never seen this in a racetrack now. I mean, I says it can be 80 or it can be 20. You can go and show us race at Buffalo River because, you know, they got such great seating. And the track was improved, the pits, everything. And, and all of a sudden, you know, remember when we, I well, first remember going up there, you know, Sunday nights, we were kind of, you know, I guess they kind of considered us the sisters of the poor, you know, because, you know, <laughs> everything was, you know, the, the big Friday and Saturday tracks were taking all the glory. But I tell you what, Buffalo River came in there and because of a hard work of a bunch of people. Now that group you guys got up there right now, Jason and them guys, uh, and Devin and, and them are doing an amazing job out there promoting that thing again. So it's, it looks like it's stronger than ever.
1: So you get to call a lot of big events, too, in your career, one of them being the Wasoto 100. How long have you been doing that one?
2: Oh, boy. You know, let's see. I About 2,000 six or seven i think i did one. i did the first one i did the first couple i, I did over Brainerd. you know that's remember they had the western 100 they had the one in Brainerd. they had one in cedar lake i think or, or no, no i was still a cedar lake it split up i think by that time but so i did that and then uh, from there I, I went to huron i was in huron for about oh gosh i don't know eight or nine nine years whatever how many years they had it there i was there every year for that i Long trip out there. A lot of fun in a good place there. And at and, the and, uh, Ferguson, I, I guess, uh, you know, 15, 16 years, something like that. I'm not sure. Uh,
1: but how, how good is it to be able to have a big event like that in your backyard, basically, uh, the I-94 Speedway? And, you know, being, being lucky to be able to call uh, for as many years as you have. And, I mean, that, that's got to feel really good to know that you're pretty much the guy when it comes to that, every, that everybody thinks of right away
2: well it's nice boy it's sure nice to have it at home i'll be honest with you you know i used to haul my my four-wheeler out to, to here on here on was uh you know that was a four-hour drive but, but boy but the town there was amazing they really took care of it but yeah for for being around ferguson stuff here it it's real nice to have it here and uh, right now and, and uh, like i said uh, you got to enjoy it while you can cory because you never know until all of a sudden guys it, it could come and and uh and uh, it could change and move, or could drop or something, you never know the way this world is nowadays, you know, so you just, we got to keep our racing strong, and keep supporting it, and, and I think we're doing fine, but uh, you never know, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, you guys have got a chance to do that, and then of course, you know, like I said, it, uh, we, we got a lot of great racing up here, with, you know, the Wasota thing here, and of course, then you got the big one down in Iowa, the IMCA guys, pulling an amazing show down there, and all that USRE stuff is going, and, and uh, the guys can race down year round.
1: So, uh, uh, you kind of touched a little bit on uh, a, a little bit earlier about uh, some of the, you know, how crazy like uh, the crowds can be at some, at, like Viking Speedway in, in Alexandria. What are some of the moments that you remember where the crowd really, really had uh, were, were going crazy?
2: Oh boy! Well, I tell you what, uh, we used to have a, a battle down and. In- the stockyards that ran down at Madison Speedway, and there was uh, Mark Hollywood Hoffman, and there was the Shokey boys out of Millback, South Dakota. Now, Bellingham and Milbank are not very far apart. And those guys down there would race. And all of a sudden, I mean, me and Maynard Meyer were working on Maynard was quite a character. He'd have a couple beers and enjoy himself, and, you know, I might too. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we went uh, down there, and the fans started chanting at each other. And pretty soon, it was getting, I mean, it was great. Hoffman sucks and, you know, things like that. They were saying things <laughs> they probably understand. and not say. And, of course, other fans come back, and the crowd was going wild. And, well, we were having Daryl Tobias probably got nervous. and got on the microphone and told the fans they hadn't settled on. And I'm thinking, hey, this is kind of fun, you know. But I just, <laughs> and, and then, of course, some of the, the finishes we've had, uh, you know, you look back, uh, you know, we, we've had some amazing races there. I, I, you know, I know. Scott Danzies, in one time, won a feature at uh, at uh, at Alec down There, where he he got by, I think it was, I think it might have been Hillig at the last lap. And boy, what a finish it was! Uh, another one that really comes to mind: Jeff Hinkemeyer, back in the day, in a late model, you know, he was a passing machine. You know, you could start him twentieth, and uh, you know, he would he'd work his way through the field, and then last few laps, the crowd would be going crazy. And then I remember Tim Jackson at Buffalo River. One time, I remember Donny Donny says, "Okay, I'll give you five hundred bucks if you start in the back." And, and he says, "Okay." He did, and he won it, so he did there. And then a little gal that won a race one time with biking you guys is pretty special, Betty Jensen. She's running a mod four, and of course, she's racing against uh, oh Jesse Clug and all these young. They were all young kids at the time, and she's in. And of course, back then, very few women racing, and it's just a heat race. But it gets going, and as the race goes on. My guy Betty gets out front of these guys, and she's just a truck, and she's a good little racer. And she's going, and here comes Jesse Clug, and, oh, God, I think Sean Peterson back there, and there was a bunch of young guys that got to be really great. And they're chasing her down, and we get down to three laps to go. And I said, well, here we go. She's coming one more time around. We got two to go. And the crowd's starting to get up, and they're now they're starting to really go. And then the white flag comes, and now all of a sudden, they're all three of them. They're right on her back bumper. And you figure there's no way she's going to hang out and get this thing. And, boy, she she threw that thing in the one and two went down that big straightaway and that big old half mile and of course the crowd all of a sudden they're up off their feet now and they are going wild and they she comes to the flag and Betty gets the win and i say i've never seen so many people just go completely nuts you know it's a big thing for you know to knock that thing off and i thought well here's a heat race but my god what a fun time and you know, I think Betty's still a legend
1: out there, biking over that particular race. <laughs> so uh, one of the other things that I, I remember from from that era, uh, the the super stocks were always a pretty uh, pretty tough group uh, with each other. Um, what are, what are some of those uh, memories you have out there? I know uh, I know from what I remember seeing out there, it was always you you thought a fight was going to happen in the stands almost every night.
2: Yeah, you know, the Super that go in at night, and everybody's talking modified. Late. <laughs> By the time we went home, we were all talking superstocks because, you know, you had Jeff Krause, and <laughs> Jeff was kind of the bad guy there, or, or at least could be some nice. And, uh, oh, man, you had Larry London, all these guys get in there, and, and there was a bunch of them guys, John Steppen, and they would go at it. And I tell you, you know, man, I tell you, it's just uh, their fans didn't like each other, and I don't know if they didn't <laughs> like each other too much either. But, boy, it. Uh, it I know for a fact. By the time the end of the evening came, you usually had somebody standing in the victory lane, and they were, and the other guys up there shaking his fist at him when they're pulling them apart from the fight. <laughs> it, it was just night after night with them guys. I didn't like Days of Our Lives. I mean, that was like a soap every <laughs> week. It never feels to me to be all the guys that do that.
1: Didn't uh, didn't they hear a story about somebody driving into somebody else's trailer one time or hitting it with their car?
2: Yep, Larry Lund was so frustrated with Jeff Krause. And he came around off the track. They threw him off the track. He pulled in the pits and he drove his car up in the closest enclosed hauler. <laughs> I thought, whoa, what you, you know, Larry, you can't do that. <laughs> oh, no, man, I think we even had the deputy sheriffs come that night. They didn't, you know, they, there was, you gotta be careful with, you know, it, it, he wasn't gonna hit anybody but he was gonna make it clear he wanted to get in and talk to them.
0: <laughs>
2: a, I think once he had a, or they couldn't get
0: out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what what do you think the craziest thing? I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. What's the craziest thing you've seen out there calling races?
2: Oh gosh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back, uh, you know, of, of driving styles and stuff. I remember Ricky Weiss one time. Uh, Ricky Weiss, I mean, but anyway, it was a uh, Donald Huron, and he came off with three and four, and he and he he went wide open in the turn one and two. And he, and he hit the wall going into turn three, and he literally had two wheels up. And he drove that cotton picking car all the way around three and four, and came down on the front straightaway. How the heck that? Kind of like that last car deal we just had. Remember here a few weeks, ago?
0: <laughs> Ross remember, Chastain.
2: It? Yep, remember when that he did that? We did a similar deal, but he had the wheels up on the wall.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah, I'd say so, that it, qualifies as crazy.
2: Yeah, and it's goddamn decent one time at biking was coming off turn four. He was running a super socket. And Scott uh, uh, drove, I can't remember who super socket was, but he won a lot of races that thing. And he came off turn four. He got hit right square in the helmet with a big rock. I mean, a rock's the size of a softball. And it literally knocked him out. He flew off a turn four, went over the top. Remember, there's a there was a bathroom right there. And he went over the top of that thing, into the parking lot, hit three pickups, wrecked in pickups. Luckily, Scott wasn't hurt bad or nobody got killed. And I'll never forget that, you know, because Mike Brunson had went into that building down there many years ago. And if you looked on Viking in turn three, there's a building, an old barn. He went into the rafters up there one time. Wow. <laughs> so, there's been a few wrecks like that. You know, thank goodness. And, and we've seen some. Remember, we've had a couple of Fargo or uh, who was it? It was Johnny Corral that tore down half the fence in the front
1: straightway <laughs> there. He did a lot of things out there. Uh, Johnny was really, really good at having spectacular wrecks out in, in Fargo, from what I remember. I remember him hitting the gap out there in, uh, in the old half-mile days, too, and that was that was a pretty incredible uh, incident.
2: Oh, that's crazy. That track, Remember back in them days, guys, that thing was so fast. I mean, if that thing was tacky, hang on.
1: <laughs> yeah i I heard you you didn't have any fillings left in there because they probably melted from the the pure speed wow. from a lot of and uh you know and the racing was pretty good back then and you got the chance to call the races pretty much right away after they shortened the track right yeah
2: yeah I did matter of fact that was the first year when, when I think was it when Danny took over and, and I think he came in and, and redid it and it was a whole different deal. Some people, if, if, I, I think it really tightened up the racing to a certain extent on some deals. And then, of course, you had your old diehards, you know, that, boy, they, they didn't like that. They, they were missing that big half mile, all that speed. But, uh, but uh, you know, it was crazy. And, and you know, and, and when Danny came in there, boy, you know, of course, he brought Tony Stewart to town. I think we had like 7,000 people there one night. Uh, for that, it's just crazy, if not more. And, uh, you know, things, you know, like I said, uh, now, it, boy, I say what, it uh, looks like... Uh, Jake and them guys have really got that track beautiful out there
1: right now. It's too bad that we have to compete against each other on Friday nights where, I mean, Fergus Falls is running where you're announcing and I'm announcing in, in West Fargo at Red River Valley Speedway. We really are lucky to have two great tracks like that running and doing so well mm-hmm. together, too, at the same time. Because both tracks seem to be doing pretty well on, on uh, Friday nights, even though they're only about 60 miles apart.
2: Yeah, and, and then you got River Cities up there, you know, just 70 miles to the north up there, and, and all three, you know, like I said, seem to be doing just fine, you know, and, and they were very lucky. You know, like I said, it uh, it's just, uh, you know, they're, they're, we're lucky we're in an area, guys, where I think there's plenty of race cars, and you just got to find the right deal if we can just make sure we, we... And the tracks are getting better at working together and stuff. I know Don Shaw, you know, that's, that's the new owner, of the other of forest, trying to work... Uh, I know he's dropped the mods a couple times for the guys up at River Cities, and... And I realize that don't, you know, work with Red River Valley right now because you guys, you're running your IMCA mods up there, you know, so it's a little different deal. But uh, it's still nice. So if we get a night off, like a guy like some of the guys, we've got some guys like Ryan Sanders got his IMCA stock and stuff. Now, he can sneak up there and run. You know, it would be nice yeah. if it would, was a, if we could figure out a, a way that, uh, you know, Fergus could move to a Saturday night or something or, or whatever, you know, or, uh, figure out something you know that would work better, but right now it is what it is. You know, and of course, you got biking down the roads there. They're going to they're gonna hang tough where they're at, I guess. So we'll just have to play along and and just keep racing. And, and like I said, it looks like uh, you're, you're right, though, guys. Uh, there's lots of good race cars and lots of great racing right in our area.
1: So one one of my favorite things, uh, one of my favorite Ron Krogh stories that I I've had uh, from the many years of getting to enjoy to watch you uh, you announce and, and work and stuff was. Uh, There was one day where, uh, when uh, the Sandbergs still own the Buffalo River Speedway that they canceled because it was really hot out. And this is back when uh, Fergus Falls I-94 was paved yet, and they ran on Sundays also. So we we go over there because I hadn't been there in years, and sure enough, Ron's calling the races there. And then uh, the races get over early, and I look over and say, hey, we have time to hit Madison because Madison was running on Sundays at that time, too. So we have time to hit Madison and we get there and uh, notice there's nobody in the announcer booth and the announcer booth at the time was right over where the tunnel was to walk in and five minutes to show time. Here comes Ron walking up the stands, goes <laughs> right to the right to the microphone, picks it up and starts announcing. Do you remember that, Ron?
2: Yeah, yeah, that was kind of a, a crazy time, you know, back then. You you never knew what was going on. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, I, I, you know, I, I got a chance, uh, I worked, I think, two summers or two, two years at, at I-94 back when they were asphalted. And, and it was a little different to get used to. The racing was still racing. It was good racing. But, you know, they were located so far north that it, it just didn't work out. You know, we had all these dirt cars surrounding us, you know, you, you, got, you might as well use them.
1: Well, uh, you know, I guess that does it for most of most of what I have uh, right now. Uh, Ryan, you got anything r- here that you you like to ask her? I'm um, I'm just
0: uh, Ron. When you go to like like you said, you just ran up into the booth and and started doing it. Uh, is that something where um, if you got called uh, if you got called to pinch hit, uh, say up in Grand Forks or or somewhere that you've never called? uh is that just something that uh because of your racing experience and because you've been doing it so long you can just jump in and do or or uh was that sort of a, a one-time deal and you hope you don't have to do something like that again
2: well fortunately, like madison i've been there for so many years off and on so i, I pretty much knew the racers i'd see them at, at madison and i'd see them at alec you know and, and at Monty. so i got to see them there but no truthfully i tell you what uh uh, right. What I do is say I'm Corey, I'm the sure, same way I've got, I'm in my office here right now and I got stacks and stacks and stuff. And of course I keep my computer. I, I update that on my driver files and stuff. And, and, uh, you know, just kind of march as much as you can, but, um, uh, it takes a, a lot of work. There's, there's no doubt. I mean, uh, I'm not smart enough to walk in and do it like some guys. Cause there's some guys that can walk in. I, I think Rod Miller, he could have walked in, you know, uh, coming out of the hospital and jumped in, sat down, and took over, and you'd never, you'd never miss a beat. But uh, I, I certainly can't do it that way. But, uh, yeah, it. it truthfully, I had a, I've done some different things. I went to Ogilvy one night. That was a little different deal for me. I've done, uh, you know, I think I went to Brainerd a time or two and, and, and some of the other tracks around the area, you know, where you just jump in. and Well, i tell you what, you, you learn to respect the local guys because, you know, there's, all those little things that go on, you forget about, you know, the kids clubs and the, you know, certain sponsor deals they do. And that's so important to our racing, you know, so I, I truthfully, you, you got to work hard at it.
0: Yeah. How many, uh, how many hours do you put in, do you think per week to, to stay up to date on, on who's driving, who's doing well, just kind of getting ready for that Friday night show?
2: Well, Monday nights uh, Monday nights is usually my night. That's when I, I, I track uh, because I, I follow the Wesoda one hundred stuff, I track all forty five Wesoda tracks. So I'm on Monday nights I update all feature winners and all tracks over the weekend. And I'm probably in my office then from six thirty till nine, nine thirty. Tuesday nights then I'll start prep work, I'll I'll get ready for my Wilmer stuff on Tuesday and and. Uh, Get that done, and then of course Wednesday night I'll work on the Fergus stuff a little bit there because usually you know Fergus has got something going on with a sponsorship deal or somebody, and and get that for so I I'm you know I think I spend at least a couple hours a night Monday Tuesday and Wednesday in, in my office here, and then and then of course Thursday I'm on my way to Wilmer to race, and then Friday morning for a couple hours I'll, i I got to do the all the dirt stories there, which I'm a terrible writer, so it takes me forever, but I so I do that and then and then you know, prep a little bit for Fergus, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's surprising, you know, you, but you know, I've retired. I'm, you know, I, well, like I got nothing going on anymore. You know, back in the old days, I'd be probably hit the bar chasing some girls, but,
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, Ron, this has been a treat for us. Uh, thank you for coming on and, and uh, sharing this with us. And hopefully we can have you on again sometime.
2: You bet. Yeah, it'd be fun to do it. Thanks for doing this, you guys. I tell you, you guys don't know how important this is to our sport. You know, of course, you guys work hard at it. And, Ryan, thanks for doing this kind of stuff. Because, boy, I'll tell you what, uh, hey, uh, every, any pub we can get is really good for racing. And, and you, as you can see, uh, I think our racing is blossoming pretty good. So good talking to you guys. Hey, I'll catch you down the line, okay?
0: Awesome. Thanks so much. Ron Krogh, everybody, uh, uh, Hall of Fame race announcer. He's still doing it uh, every week couple times a week uh through the summer and uh so we're we're just so happy that uh that he was here joining us. So that is it for this episode of Checkers and Records Victory Lap. Again, my name is Ryan Janke for Cory Litton. Thanks for being here. Remember to go on and subscribe to to uh Checkers and Records Victory Lap wherever you get your podcasts or you can go to KFGO.com.